<laughs> we're in a, a, a series of prayer in preparation for this um, United in Prayer event. It's been five, maybe six years since we've done a United Prayer together as churches. <laughs> and we're in the same kind of environment as we were uh, that time. And those of you who are involved with us, you know, you remember some of the biggest problems that we're facing uh, on the island. And right now, I'm not sure whether you folks are aware of this, but there's a huge drought that Maui is facing, and mainly upcountry. Uh, did you know that the, there's a moratorium on water upcountry? And if you use water uh, unwisely, that there's, a, there's supposed to be a penalty of $500 for a home that's doing that. You know, I'm, I'm shocked at that. That We had a moratorium in Wailuku, but no penalty for, uh, for the use of water at the time like that. So this is a tremendous time for us to be able to, to gather, to pray, because when we did it the last time and there was a drought, within a week, there was just a storm that came into Maui and water just poured out, you know, of the skies. God, God was so, so good. I believe we're living in a time like that. God wants us to gather together to seek the Lord. We've got 20-something churches gathering together to pray. And um, I just want to say thank you to Pastor John because he's the one that wanted to see this happen. We gathered the pastors together, and they all agreed they want to, they want to do this, and he has been putting a lot of time plus our staff. So I just want to say thank you, Pastor John, for doing that. <clears throat> We're looking at um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 this morning. And uh, maybe we can read it together. Uh, Hebrews 11.6. Let's read it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's, let's read it one more time. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Father, bless your word. Bless our hearts. Prepare these, this island, Lord, for what you desire to accomplish and to do as your people pray. And uh, believe that there will be a great unifying of all the churches that will be gathered to seek your face uh, at the end of this month. Bless this word and each of our hearts. And give us a, a greater hunger for you and a faith in you that you are a God that answers prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray together. And uh, everybody said, amen. <clears throat> when, uh, when was the first time you remember praying a prayer to God? You know, the youngest that you were. I, uh, how many were below 10 years of age when you can remember praying? Okay. Um, I was about five or six when I first prayed. And this was a series of about two weeks. My mom taught us to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. The next time I prayed was when I was about probably 12 or 13 years old. And I can remember that day very, very clearly in my mind. My dad came home from work, and he said, we're moving. We're going to move from here. We were living in Kapahulu at that time, and he had bought the last home on this, on Oahu Avenue in Manoa. And... He said, we're moving. And I had made so many friends all around that neighborhood as a little kid. 
uh, we go to the beach together, we play together, we, do, we went to church together, and the, everybody, we were just so close. And I can remember this deep disappointment in my heart. And I don't know even why I did this. I just went down, down into the basement of our home. It's a huge basement. And I began walking around that basement, and I was talking to somebody, <laughs> and I was saying to God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you, why are you letting this thing happen? And I was complaining, you know, not realizing that that move was going to be really critical in my life because I would be in a position from that time on uh, within the next two, three years, I became a Christian, and one of my really good friends who had a car, uh, and I was about 15, and he had a car that was uh, available to him, and he would drive me to church and back on a regular basis. And I thought, God knows. And I didn't put it all together until I became a Christian and realized what God was doing. So <clears throat> when we take a look at Hebrews chapter uh, 11, that we're looking at the first part. Faith pleases God. Can you say that? Faith pleases God. And God is pleased with faith is because what faith activates and ignites in our lives is an ability to believe for something that we can't see. It's a capacity to be able to envision the future. It's taking the promise that God gives to us and saying, I believe it even though it's not fulfilled yet. And that's how the heroes of the faith, those that believed and trusted God, uh, that's how they lived. It's really interesting in the Old Testament. Do you know how many times the Old Testament refers to faith? Only two times. You know how many times the New Testament uses the word faith? 245 times. So there's something that God's saying that's it, that in our day, in this New Testament era, faith is very, very important. And when we jump into the book of Hebrews, and we're taking a look at chapter 11, the entire book of Hebrews uses the word faith 31 times. And when you jump into the 11th chapter, it's used 23 out of 31 times. So God's trying to grab our attention and say, hey, I, I, I want you to understand that chapter 11 is really vital to understand the principles of faith. And the reason why faith is important is because no longer are we living under the Ten Commandments. We don't embrace Jesus by keeping the Ten Commandments. I hope you realize that. <clears throat> we embrace Jesus by faith in grace and truth. That's what uh, John uh, wrote about in the first chapter of his book. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we fulfill the law through obedience. We fulfill grace and truth by faith. So that is, that is huge, and that is so important. God doesn't respond to us because we, we're good people. God doesn't respond to us on the basis of our performance. God responds to us because we take hold of His Word, His promises, and we just believe it in spite of the, the, the weaknesses of our lives, that God loves us in spite of all of our frailties. So the, the first thing that faith defines for us is that it's an it's a element, it's a condition in our lives that pleases God. God loves people 
that will believe him. The, the second thing that we see in this uh, portion of Scripture is that uh, it's a characteristic of faith. Faith believes in God. Faith believes and trusts what we cannot see. We believe in the existence of God. And not only the existence of God, we believe that this God who exists is, has character qualities that is pure and holy and clean and loving and, and positive in, in all of our lives. You know, for most of us, we see God the way that we would look at each other. You know, we see limitations in our lives. We see flaws in our lives. We, we sense fear. We have apprehensions. There's so many emotional, uh, emotional turmoils that we go through in our, in our lives. And then we get disappointed, right? So we think, um, maybe my, our relationship with God is going to be like our relationship with uh, people. And I, it's such a hard thing to understand that God looks at my life and all the prayers I pray in a day, that he listens to me and he hears them. But can you imagine that this God listens to the prayer of all 7 billion people on this planet <laughs> at the same time? You know, it's enough for me just to hear something my wife is saying and be able to listen to every detail of what she's saying. <laughs> and sometimes I'm not even hearing her. But God's attention is on 7 billion people at the same time. Jake put this uh, video together that I think was really interesting. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers. Uh, this creepy whisper thing has to end. Organization and management, that's what I need. I need a system, something concrete. Concentrate. Files. Let all prayers be organized into files. Well, that takes care of the voices. Not exactly a space saver, though. Grace might notice. I know. Prayer post-its! Everybody's happy. 
Bruce Almighty is a funny peek into the life of God as seen through the eyes of a very narrow-minded man played by Jim Carrey. Who are you? I'm God. The way Carrey's character handles the powers of God is probably how most people would, selfishly and with little thought to broader consequences. As you start to dive into the movie's deeper themes on prayer, you begin to see that how the writers chose to depict how Jim Carrey handles prayer is kind of how human beings view God as handling prayer. We think things like, I don't want to bother God with my prayer requests, or God doesn't need to hear from me right now, not when there's things like famines and plagues and wars going on. How is God going to be able to help me with a new job or a new car or forgive me for falling to that sin issue for the thousandth time? But one of the things the Bible teaches us is not to trust our own understanding of things. Human understanding isn't consistent. It changes depending on our circumstances, our environment, the influences in our lives, be it friends or the media, or perhaps one of the most dangerous influencers of all, our own feelings. We tend to project this very human quality onto God and think he can't handle it. Hebrews 13.8 teaches us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not influenced by fleeting emotions or circumstances, people, or events. James 1.17 says that all good things come from God with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. 1 Peter 1.23 calls the word of God living and enduring. God never changes. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. One of the original Greek words used here to describe the characteristic of being ever-present means to be found sufficient to be enough. God is the creator of the universe. He is seated far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I think he can handle it. I think I can help the world. The world? Mm -hmm. That wasn't the world. That was just Buffalo between 57th Street and Commonwealth. Oh. I didn't want to start you off with more than you can handle. <laughs> I thought Jake did a good job in that. <laughs> we can handle just a small limit that our life entails, and God is in charge of everything all over the world. Isn't that amazing? Our whole concept uh, changes when we get into the scriptures and understand who God is. Uh, there was an encounter that Moses had with, with the Lord, and uh, he failed in his first attempt at being the deliverer for his people in, in Egypt, was exiled for 40 years, and then the Lord shows up and says, I want you to finish what I placed in your heart to get accomplished, and the Lord reveals himself through this burning bush in, in the uh, Mount of Horeb, and Moses goes through this whole litany of why he's weak and he can't do it, and God answers every single one of them. And then finally, he gets back to looking at God and saying, Israel doesn't even know who you are. And the Lord says, this is who I am. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And it's the first revelation of God as Jehovah in the Old Testament, Yahweh. And that, that word is a word that encompasses the past, the present, and the future. He says, I am the God of all times. I'm the God of eternity. 
you look at time from your past, your present, and your future, I see everything all at the same. Not, not, does, not only does God understand every human heart all across the world, He understands every human heart that has ever lived on this earth and ever will live on this earth all at the same time. I mean, that, that is incredible to understand. And so what God has prepared for us is just an uh, amazing thing that you and I will face when we get to face Him uh, in heaven. Faith believes in the I am God of the Bible, and there are dozens of different names God gives Himself in the Old, in, in the Old Testament. Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, uh, uh, Abba. You can just keep on going. The Je Jehovah names, the Yahweh names of God, there's probably a dozen of them and even more other names. Why? Because every single name of God represents a different aspect of His character. And when the Lord says, I am to us, what He is saying is, I am whatever it is that you have need of in any situation in your life. I'll make myself available, prove myself to be dependable, prove myself to be with you, hearing you, understanding you, and fulfilling my will in and through your life. Uh, faith trusts in God's promises. There's three scriptures, three verses in chapter 11 that speaks of God being faithful to His promises. Even though they did not receive the things promised, they saw them afar. That's faith that believes in what is to come. Uh, that is uh, chapter 11, verse 11. And then uh, in, chap in verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered his, he was able to do something that was unthinkable because of a promise of God in his life. And then in the 33rd verse, it says that there's all these groups of people that obtained the promises of God in there. What, what promise has God given to you? Faith grabs hold of the promises, believes it for itself. And it's, you know, we encourage spending time with God every day, getting into the Scriptures. God speaks to the Scriptures. And through it, He gives us His promises, what He believes for us in our lives that can become a reality as we embrace that and, and receive that. So, uh, Pastor John's coming. Up. We're, we're team um, teaching this morning. And it would be good for you to just ask yourself, what promises has God given you? This is one of the promises God gave uh, to me early on in my life in the Lord. I uh, sat down and just wrote all the major verses in the Bible, and this is one of them that I began to memorize. And this is Acts 16, verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. This is what, uh, this is what uh, was promised to the Philippian jailer by Paul when the Philippian jailer became a Christian, when he accepted the Lord. And Paul says this, that when you believe in Christ, your family, every member of your family will come to the Lord. Now, I don't know how many of you still have family members that don't know the Lord. You know, and you say, well, um, when is that going to happen? <laughs> God, prayers are eternal. So they're all being uh, kept in heaven as you pray them one day to get released. And there's some people who are just not ready to embrace prayer. And there's coming a day in the future 
when there's going to be crisis and problems and different kinds of trouble, and then they'll realize, I need God. And for some reason, something inside of them is going to just reach out to God like we reach out to God at different times. And that prayer is going to become a reality at that time. Um, I was taught early on when we first got married, Susan and myself, and I, I don't know who it was. I, I just remember this, that um, this pastor told us that he would, be, he would pray for his children, every single one of them, and the companion that one day would get married to them. I thought, I never thought about that, you know, that whoever's going to get married to my kids uh, should be pretty close in the age of their lives. And so I should be praying not only for my children, but for the spouse that one day that Pastor John's going to get married to, and Sharina's going to get married to, and David's going to get married to. And so from a Early on in their lives, almost every single day, I'd be praying, Lord, not, not only bless my kid's life, but bless their companion, the one that they're going to get uh, married to. So I believe that uh, every single one of them have gotten married to the one that God has uh, intended and destined for them to get married to. And all of them love the Lord. They want to raise their families to, to love Jesus, all their all our grandkids love the Lord. It's, it's, it's a, I see that as a, uh, an answer to prayer. And this is the, the way that I prayed. And I put this collage together <clears throat> that I call it the five C's, that I would pray for their relationship with Christ, that they would, out of everything that they do, they would always have and, and love God more than anything else, that they would do well in their classroom, they would as they go to school, they would have good influences, good friends, you know, all of that. The third thing is that they would get really good preparations for whatever it is that they were going to do in life, whether it's college or uh, technical training and whatever, that that's one of the areas. And then whatever career, I know that uh, a lot of pastors would want their children to get involved in ministry. I never had that desire. Uh, I just wanted them to serve God in whatever capacity God would uh, lead them into. And then finally, the fifth C was companion. Lord, bless them so that their lives would be blessed and also the spouse that one day they would get married to. And it is so, we, we have a, a family gathering every Sunday night together. And it is really great to be able to just have our family together, all of our grandkids together. It was really great when Sharina was living here, and we have all 11 grandkids that love Jesus, and we would have sleepovers with them and have uh, devotions, Bible times, prayer times with them, and I'm thinking, this is, this is the answer to the prayers that I prayed, and for those of you that are young parents that still have uh, children at home, I would really encourage you, pray on a regular basis because God answers prayer. God answers faith in prayer. Do you believe that? And, and Pastor Eddie prayed diligently, which is our next point, diligently for uh, all those things as we were growing up. Um, Sharina's watching. Uh, Sharina, you're so lucky that Dad prayed for your companion because you would have had no chance of getting married if it wasn't for his prayer. Um, not just getting married, but you got a really uh, good guy, a guy that's patient enough to put up with you and all of your uh, 
nice things in your life. I'm just joking. I love my sister, but she can't do anything because she's in Michigan. So um, the last thing that our point is today is faith rewards the diligent. Everyone say diligent. And diligence is something that's very hard to come by in, in our culture because we get everything fast, right? How many of you like Amazon because after you order something on Amazon, you get it in a couple of days? Anybody kind of happy about that? And you don't need to leave your house. You don't need to, you can just sit there behind your computer and order whatever you want. How many of you have a spouse that has problems uh, with ordering too much stuff on Amazon? And <laughs> no, you're going to have fights after church. Um, one of the, I just want to take a survey of, of uh, how many, how many um, people in our church have uh, this sickness of not being able to wait. And you, you can tell somebody who's really sick has this sickness of uh, wanting things quickly. When you go to Costco and everybody's waiting in line for the gas and then somebody in the front moves and instead of them waiting for the person to finish they pull in front of the person and then they they park and then the whole order gets messed up how many of you that irritates you when somebody does that how many of you actually do that okay there's a couple sick people here <laughs> i'm just joking um I'm, I'm the one that gets irritated and my wife is the one that does that. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You're just going to mess up the whole line. But uh, in our culture, we're always, we're always wanting things quickly. And faith rewards the diligent. It doesn't come quickly, but diligence is something that takes time. Uh, just like compound interest, it's, it's small things that happen every day. But after a long period of time, there's this exponential effect and and there's things that happen in our lives through diligence. Everyone say diligence. Diligence in the Greek, uh, it is this word, exeteo, exeteo, and it means to search out, to investigate, to crave, to demand, to worship, to seek after carefully and diligently. So this is an interesting, this is an interesting word um, because the, the Bible says, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And diligently seek is one word. And diligently seek is parallel to the word worship. So when we seek God, even if it's a small amount of time, but it's consistent every day, there is an aspect of it that God looks at it as worship in our lives. And so we, we have this idea that worship is a song or when we come in, we sing. But God says that when we seek him diligently, that is an act of worship. Um, so what are, what are we diligent in as we seek God? There's two, two ways that we seek God. Um, one is through prayer and one is through the word. And when we seek him in prayer, it allows us to see God. And when we Look in the word, it helps us to be more like him. When we pray, we can see what God does. When we read the word, it empowers us to be more like him. Um, faith is born in a daily rhythm of prayer. Luke 5, Luke 5, 16. And this scripture was right after it explains that Jesus was healing the sick and uh, doing all of these miracles. And it said that the multitudes pursued Jesus and so much so that they were pressing into him and he didn't have a lot of time. He was, his ministry was growing, but in that 
experience of him getting more and more busy. How many feel like you're getting more and more busy? Like now that we're out of lockdown and everything's exploding, tourism is crazy, uh, everything is ramping up, getting back to normal, uh, there's, this, there's this tendency for us to get overly busy. And in, in Jesus' busyness, as his ministry is growing, in the middle of that, in Luke 5.16, it said, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. He went to a place, it didn't just say a place, he went to a lonely place, a place where there was no distraction. And this is something that I struggle with. When I, when I get up in the morning, I actually have my phone with me. You know, I'll sit down in the computer, check my email, and then I'll, I'll try to do my prayers. But I notice if I, I do something like check my phone or my email, before I pray and before I, I get in the Word, a whole bunch, it's easier to get distracted. How many of you, like when you, you get in the Word or you start to pray, you start thinking of all the errands you need to do. You, you think of the, oh, I wonder if that person emailed me. Oh, I wonder if that person texted me and answered that question that I sent out. And all these distractions surface when we try to spend time with God. Um, Jim Quick, is a, he's a coach, a life coach, but he... He specializes in how the brain works. And Jim Quick, he said that the worst thing that you can do an hour after you wake up or an hour before you go to sleep is look at your phone or your computer because your brain is the most uh, conditioned or conditional right when you wake up or right before you go to sleep. And so whatever you do right when you wake up, you'll have that pattern for the rest of the day. And if the first thing you do is to respond to a stimulus, like an email or a voicemail or a text, and that's the first thing that you do, your brain is going to be in a reactive mode for the rest of the day. And so David and Jesus and all these different people in Scripture, it always said that they, early in the morning will I seek you. It's recorded of Jesus that a great, day, a great deal before dawn, he would go and spend time with the Lord. And, and getting into a lonely place or a place without distraction is so important for our prayer life. It allows us to see. Um, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father speak it. And when did he hear and when did he see? He, he did that in his, in his prayer, prayer time. Um, I was with, I was with uh, Raymond. He was that missionary for Myanmar. And uh, he spent some time with Pastor Greg, who is the pastor of Living Way in Happy Valley. And he went into his sanctuary, and for those of you that haven't been in Pastor Greg's sanctuary um, in the past couple months, from be the beginning of the pandemic till now, it's completely changed. It's a completely different place. It's beautiful. It looks like this, this concert hall. It's, it's uh, with neon lights in it. It looks all high-tech in the middle of Happy Valley. And I remember talking to Pastor Greg, and he said, I would just sit on a five-gallon paint drum in this room, and I'd close my eyes, and God would show me what it would look like. And I had a picture of what this place would look like before it ever got close to that, but I, God downloaded into my spirit what it would look like in the future. I didn't know how it was going to become like this, but I knew that God was going to do it because he showed it to me. And so many different people that I talk to, whether it's ministries that are started or families um, or directions in life, it, it is all in a time of prayer that God seeds those things of the future into our hearts. So 
uh, a consistent time in prayer. And then the second thing is uh, faith is born in a daily rhythm of soaping, uh, just getting into the word and, and doing soaps. Romans 10, 17. Um, Romans 10, 17. Let's read this together. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so faith is the supernatural ability to see and believe what God has for us. And faith comes through hearing. And how does hearing come? Through the word of God. When we're in the word of God, something happens supernaturally that changes our hearts. Um, I remember, uh, and I'll close with this story. I remember <clears throat> when I would... Um, when I was growing up and I'd watch uh, my dad and how my dad would interact with my mom. And uh, my mom, she's kind of the crazy one in our family. My dad is the more grounded one. And, and uh, he would, to me, he'd always make a little bit more sense than my mom. Um, but whenever there was a really important decision to make, he would always ask her and whatever she said, like however she felt, he would he wouldn't do something unless she felt good about it. And I didn't understand that because I thought, my dad is the one with the brains. My mom is the one with the emotion. Why would he listen to her if it doesn't make sense? And a lot of times, it wouldn't make sense to me. And then he explained to me that, that women feel when there's danger. Men have the reason, and they both have to work together for it to, for it to work. And... Uh, and he told me examples of how he was going to get into different investments. And, his mom, and my mom just didn't feel good about it. And then would tell him, no, you can't do that. Or you shouldn't do that. And then he would listen. And as soon as you know, he makes the decision not to, the market tanks. And he would have like, you know, lost all this money if he didn't listen to my mom. And so he would do things. But until I spent time with him and heard his, the reasoning of it, I... I, didn't, I wouldn't have done it myself. But once I realized the reason for it and why he did things the way he did, now I do this exact same thing in my marriage. And it's because I, I know why he does it, not just watch what he does. And in the same way when we read Scripture, there's a lot of times Scripture doesn't make sense. But if we spend the time to, to ask God, God, why did these people do it this way in Scripture? And and we spend some time to, through the rest of the day, we might read it in the morning and not understand. And through the rest of the day, we just like, God, how come? What is this? And then and read the Bible with that lens of wanting to know, to investigate. That word, seek diligently, it means to investigate, to crave or demand answers. And so when we do that and make that a, a discipline in our lives, he rewards, he rewards that. And he rewards that with an understanding of who he is. Um, and I'm not going to go into the story that I told first service, but uh, like last week, I gave an example of, of how I didn't understand why David loved his enemies and hated his friends. You know, he was accused of loving his enemies and hated his friends, but the whole reason was because he wanted to unify the kingdom to set up a foundation for the future generations. And in the same way, when I understood that, I realized to have the heart of God, I need to have a heart of unity as well. So as we spend time in the word, God helps us to understand him and not just to obey blindly, but to understand his character and to become, to become more like him. So um, we're going to be doing a united prayer event at the end of the month. If you haven't signed up, 
uh, I encourage you to sign up. We're going to show a video and then pray together. On July 31st, over 24 churches on Maui are teaming together to host United in Prayer at the Haggai Institute in Kihei. Come join us for two hours as we worship the Lord and seek His face through individual and corporate prayer. We're calling for prayer on our government, our education system, the marketplace, our news and media, families, and more. The island of Maui has seen God move as the result of prayer many times before. In 2004, churches came together in prayer to lift up every high school student by name. As a result, youth groups among participating churches exploded in attendance. Kids were baptized in the Kamehameha swimming pool, while Bible studies and chapels were held at school campuses across the island. Several years later, as Maui went through a devastating drought, an economic slump, and a large drug problem, churches gathered together for a night of prayer. In the following months, the drought ended, the marketplace started to boom, and the Maui Police Department successfully completed one of the largest drug busts in the island's history. God has given His people spiritual authority to declare blessing over the cities that they live in. And when Christians answer the call to pray, God shows up. After everything that transpired in 2020, Maui, our nation, and our world are in desperate need of prayer. God has moved mountains in the past, and if His people answer the call to pray, He will do so again. Although this event will be live-streamed, seating is available, but limited. So if you would like to attend, you can register at the United in Prayer Maui Facebook page or follow the instructions in your church's handout. Could you just keep that uh, screen up so that people can snap a picture if they want to? Could we all stand and let's close in a word of prayer? Um, you know, United in Prayer and what happened on youth campuses all across the island in 2004-ish, 2000, from 2004 to 2007, uh, Shalice and Zach are, are, uh, su are some of the fruit of what happened during that time. And we're believing that God is going to do another uh, move on this island and that there's going to be a lot of young people who come to know who he is. Could you, could you uh, just join me in prayer as we close this morning? God, we just thank you so much that you have invited us into a supernatural relationship with you where, where you can download your heart into our lives that as we jump into the word, that it's not just reading a book, but through reading, we can understand your character and your heart, and you can transform our minds and transform who we are to be more and more like you. God, we just pray that uh, as we diligently seek you and as we, we yearn to have more faith, God, that you would move in our hearts and our lives to be people of faith that would speak things that are not as though they are. And through speaking your word, Lord, that the same way that you spoke into the darkness and saw light and you said, let there be light and there was light. God, we just pray that this island would be filled with your light. Lord, that every single high school campus, every business, every government office, Lord, that your spirit would, would rest on every single place on this island. Both darkness and light are the same to you. And we just pray for your spirit to move on your people to pray. Lord, you've invited us to pray and you've, you've told us that we have authority to declare and to speak creative things into, to, the, to the world because you've given that authority to us. So God, we pray in every single church, God, that has been invited to unite in prayer, Lord, that there would be 
just the gathering of your people. And Lord, that you would hear from heaven, that you would forgive our sin and you would heal this land. You'd, you would create a, an awakening and a revival in our family, in our friends, people in our office, people that are around us. God, we pray that you would use us to shine your light and to share your gospel of peace to every single person who is in need of your presence in their lives. So God, we thank you for who you are and the blessing that you have made us to be uh, to this community and to our world. We, we thank you for these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine.